0: It's never too late to change your lifestyle. Not only can you improve the underlying chronic conditions that you have, but it can improve your overall health. If you're my patient who's going to require multiple procedures, the better health you are in, the more likely you are to have less complications with the procedures that I do, and the more likely you are to recover quicker and better after the procedures.
1: Welcome back to another episode of the Healthy Lifestyle Solutions podcast. This is the Doctor in the House segment that I'm doing every Monday as a bonus episode for you, my listeners, with Dr. Riz. Welcome back, Dr. Riz.
0: Hi, good to be back.
1: <laughs> so people are really loving this Doctor in the House segment. And I also want to remind you, Dr. Riz has uh, social media, very active on there. On Instagram, it's Dr. Riz, R-I-Z, underscore Bukhari, B-U-K-H-A-R-I. Also look for him on Facebook because he has a lot of great content and reels are, are, are fun to watch. And also these segments, Doctor in the House, we actually put them on the reels as well on his social media. So make sure to follow him. Dr. Riz, last week we spoke about really diabetes. We laid down the foundation for what diabetes is. What are the symptoms that people develop if they have any symptoms at all? And then we talked about risk factors. In today's episode, I'd like to talk about early detection, because one of the things that you said last week was that some people can live with diabetes for years and never know they have it. Is it possible that someone can be so far along with their type 2 diabetes that, you know, making lifestyle changes won't matter? And also, I want to bring it back to your clinic, your patients, the prevalence of type 2 diabetes among your patients. You have a limb salvage program that is associated sometimes with type 2 diabetes and sometimes with other injuries. We've also spoken about that in previous episodes. Um, and then finally, what does it mean when type 2 diabetes is not well managed? What are the risks down the line for the um, for people? So let's start with why is it important to detect type 2 diabetes early on?
0: Well, I mean, it's, it's important to detect di- type 2 diabetes because... Diabetes is a serious chronic medical condition that has several bad complications. It's not just that, oh, we've got high blood sugar uh, and, and that's it. The high blood sugar and the insulin issues lead to multiple complications over the course of a lifetime in patients who are not well uh, managed. And those can be things such as blindness, kidney problems, limb loss. Uh, neuropathies. So there are multiple complications related to uh, uh, diabetes. And then diabetes is a significant contributor to cardiovascular disease, which is the number one killer of Americans. So, you know, I see in my practice, what I see diabetes uh, present as is uh, uh the, the potential for limb loss and amputation. I see people with heart attacks. I see blind people. I see people, uh, diabetes is one of the main reasons that people uh, lose their kidneys. And then I have to put in grafts so that they can go on dialysis for life. So there are multiple complications of diabetes that exist. And, it, uh, if gone, uh, untreated or not well treated, uh, are people are bound to happen. And even something as simple as neuropathy, which, you know, no one gives a thought to until they get it. Mm. But once you get it, it sure is a pain. Mm. Uh, neuropathies can cause numbness. They can cause tingling. They can cause pain or a combination of all those things. And no one likes to have them. And we got patients who come in all the time complaining about their neuropathies and they're on Multiple medications for these neuropathies, and the medications themselves are number one not that effective, but number two have multiple side effects.
1: Mm, yeah, and
0: so there's, uh, you know, you when you think of something as my, quote minor as a, uh, a neuropathy, e- even that is a terrible thing to get.
1: Yeah, what you're describing is the loss of quality of life, and that's always what I want to emphasize on the podcast. Is it's not that. When you're close to dying, you'll just drop dead. It's more like every day you can be feeling you know, this devastating existence when you're not living your best life physically.
0: Yeah, there's a significant amount of inflammation associated with chronic diabetes and that inflammation too is not only making you feel bad, but it's contributing to these chronic diseases that I also discussed.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember in 2019, we went to the Lifestyle Medicine Conference and heard Eric Adams give his testimony of how he reversed his type 2 diabetes? Mm -hmm. He said he was going blind.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: Yeah. And he uh, made lifestyle changes and then supported his mother who was also living with type two diabetes. And, you know, it's incredible when you see him today. So we're going to talk about resources. He also has a book out called Free at Last. And it's his story of his type two diabetes. And also it includes recipes. And so we want to give our listeners like all these kind of resources so that they can take charge of their health. Dr. Riz, um, Do you yourself diagnose patients or most of your patients that do have type 2 diabetes are just already come to you that way?
0: Yeah, I typically am not the one to diagnose them because by the time a patient gets to me, they have multiple chronic medical conditions that uh, uh, combined, typically we call it metabolic syndrome. And I may or may not have mentioned that on our uh, uh, podcast before on the podcast, but Mm -hmm. um, typically they have multiple chronic conditions that when combined... Lead to atherosclerosis that I treat. And diabetes is very, very common in my patient population. Although it may only constitute 10% of the adult American population, diabetes is literally seen in 50 to 75% of my patients. So that tells you how important or significant it is in the development of atherosclerosis. Wow. So it's not, I don't typically diagnose the diabetes. They're typically already uh, diagnosed and on medication for it. Uh, but I might be the first person to talk to them about lifestyle changes that can improve their diabetes. But there is the occasional patient, but I I see hundreds, if not thousands of patients a year. So there is the occasional patient Mm -hmm. where I'm the one who diagnoses it because it hasn't been picked up before.
1: Right. And uh, I'm shocked at the prevalence 50 to 70% of your patients are living with type two diabetes. And just a reminder to the listener we are really focusing on type 2 diabetes for the most part in these conversations because that's the one condition that we know it really be reversed with lifestyle. Um, if you have other questions about type two, type one diabetes, we can, you know, uh, give you resources for that. But uh, you can actually live a healthy life too, even if you have type one diabetes, with these recommendations that we are going to make.
0: Yeah, what I might say is that you know we address type two diabetes because it is the one that's acquired typically through lifestyle choices, uh, but also a, a living a healthy lifestyle makes managing your type one diabetes better. Uh-huh. It, it give, it, you have less complications. Uh, it, your, uh, your, uh, the effectiveness of the insulin that you take is better. Uh, and, uh, you might even have to take less insulin. So the, uh, a healthy lifestyle can be important in managing type one diabetes yeah. as well.
1: Yep. Next week, we are going to tackle those lifestyle changes, recommendations that we want to make. Um, but what you just said about early detection, um, uh, why that's important, and also just um that most of your patients are already very advanced with other chronic diseases. I'd like to touch on that a little bit, because I wonder, is it possible that someone is so far down the line with type 2 diabetes that it doesn't matter whether they change what they eat or whether they exercise?
0: You know, I, uh, of course, the patients that I treat are, already have very significant problems that need typically need to have some sort of operation or procedure like an angioplasty or a stent or an atherectomy or a bypass um, in order to treat the advanced problems that they have. But it's I always say it's never too late to change your lifestyle. And that being the, the reason being that not not only can you improve the overall under, or underlying chronic conditions that you have, but it can improve your overall health. And uh if you're especially if you're my patient who's going to require multiple procedures, the better health you are in, the more likely you are to have less complications with the procedures that I do, and the more likely you are to recover quicker and better. Uh, after the procedures. It, that just makes sense. I mean, if you're sick when you go into an operation, there's a high chance of complications, but the healthier you are when you get into what I'm doing, uh, the the better chance for better outcomes.
1: Okay. I love that answer because that reminds me of conversations we've had in the past where you can't do a procedure on a certain patient because there's inflammation happening or something else that could put the, the uh, patient at a higher risk for loosen their lives.
0: Yeah. Everything, everything uh, we do in medicine has a risk profile. You know, we're doing something to somebody and we have to manage the risk of the procedure versus the benefit that we're doing. And and that might be, so that's, that's, that's as far as a procedure, which I do, but the same thing with pills and medications is what's the risk of that medication versus the benefit of that medication. And, and therefore you have to weigh those things and decide whether it's appropriate. And so, yeah, I oftentimes have patients who might need something done but the risk of the procedure ends up being too great to fix yeah. them because uh, they're so sick or in, so, in such bad shape.
1: Yeah, very true. There are uh, two other complications as a result of living with type 2 diabetes that I want to touch on and that you have experience with. And one is dialysis, because I know that oftentimes it seems on a regular basis, I hear you say, I have to go into the hospital and check on a dialysis patient, or I have to go in and put a what is that ca- catheter?
0: Yeah, dialysis access is what we call it. That's a general term. But yeah, typically, like today, we had a patient who needed an emergency access for dialysis. And, uh, you know, that's we put in a catheter so they can have dialysis.
1: Yeah. So dialysis is one. And the other one is... Um... Amputations, which you work really hard at preventing the amputation. It's you have a limb salvage program um, that you're very passionate about. Amputations don't are not always as a result of living with type two diabetes. It could be an injury. But can you talk about what leads to what can lead to an amputation uh, on a type two diabetes patient?
0: Yeah, to talk to both points you brought up is that uh, diabetes is one of the leading causes of kidney failure. Okay, mm-hmm. and so. If people knew earlier about their diabetes and managed their diabetes earlier, they might not ever end up on dialysis. Mm -hmm. And living with dialysis is not uh, an ideal lifestyle. It's it's actually a very very uh, troublesome lifestyle. It's uh, very depressing and Mm -hmm. um, and and and. And many many dialysis patients are quite unhappy, so you don't you don't want to be on dialysis. It's not a panacea, and so the earlier detection of diabetes and uh, and therefore treating it uh, both with uh, lifestyle choices and medication, if necessary, uh, might help you avoid being on dialysis. So that's what I'd have to say about that. And then as far as I do, I the pr- the the primary focus of my practice is uh, limb salvage or uh, in in other terms amputation prevention so that's what we that's what we focus on in my practice um and uh as i said 50 to 75% of my patients somewhere in that range are diabetics and diabetes is a significant contributor to uh atherosclerosis which is blockages in the arteries uh and diabetes is a significant contributor to inflammation uh both on a general level but also at the microscopic level. And inflammation at the microscopic level doubles the rate of atherosclerosis. Mm. So a, a poorly managed diabetic uh will get atherosclerosis. And one of the problems that we see in my in, in my patients is that uh it's very hard for people to understand. I'm not just fixing I'm not just a plumber fixing a particular problem and then it, your problem is over. I fixed their blockage, but the disease is still there. And so guess what? They continue to develop blockages and they come back over and over again for further procedures. And that's why it's very often challenging, uh, especially with diabetics. uh, And that's why they're at such high risk for limb loss.
1: Mm. So can you guide us through what happens? Because I've seen your lectures and you talk about how a simple scrape or a cut on a diabetic patient can lead to gangrene, which then can lead to that amputation. What's happening?
0: yeah, so in a normal person, if we get a cut or a scratch or a scrape or a bite or even a bruise or a blister, uh, we have good healing capability uh, and uh, and and because we can we have the blood flow to get down there, and even if we develop an infection, if we get on antibiotics, we have the blood flow. Uh, to get down there uh, with the antibiotics and treat the, uh, the infection. Okay. Uh, so healing does occur over time and usually in a timely manner. But in diabetics, uh, the inflammation impairs he- uh, healing. Um, and, uh, and then also in diabetics who have developed atherosclerosis, they also have a lack of blood flow. Mm-hmm. And so that's where, I, you know, I come in uh, and, uh, try to o- open up their arteries in order to improve their blood flow, but they still have diabetes. So that's why I even tell my diabetics, sure, we've opened up your arteries and we've gotten the blood flow there, but that's not the only factor that's important in healing. And now we have to address the other lifestyle factors that are there in, in order to optimize your opportunity for healing. Yeah. So, w- you know, so what is, what is gangrene? Gangrene is, um, uh, typically a, a wound or a festering wound on the, on the lower extremity, or it can even be on the fingers. Uh, but but basically, it's a non-healing wound that's expanding, and necrotic tissue starts to become a part of it. So, uh, And then it can go down uh, and not only chew away or eat at your skin, but it can also get into the bone. And then mm. it, when it's in the bone, that's called, called osteomyelitis, which means infection of the bone. Uh, once Once it gets to the bone, we're talking about nearly a 100% amputation rate mm-hmm. of at least a toe or a half foot or even your leg, depending mm-hmm. on the extent of the problem yeah. and also the nature of what their blood flow is.
1: Yeah. I, before we move on to what happens once a patient loses a limb because the quality of life again, significantly oh. changes. Yeah. As you know, my mother, uh, she's been living with type 2 diabetes for many, many years. And I remember consulting with you, talking to you about it, that I wanted her to just go and have a pedicure to treat herself. And you advised me not to.
0: Yeah. My concern about diabetics, especially diabetics with poor blood flow, is that nail clipping occurs and and filing occurs. I have seen diabetics who got a pedicure who eventually lost their leg. Oh. And so I'm not trying to scare, I'm not trying to ruin the pedicure industry, but what I'm saying is diabetics have to be particularly careful. And, you know, if a diabetic uh, needs uh, foot care, one thing is, is go to a, a, you know, a good professional who knows how to take care of that, such as a podiatrist.
1: Oh, that's good yeah. to know.
0: Uh, so podiatrists are very skilled in managing uh, diabetic feet uh, yeah. and, and toenails and things like that. Okay. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't know that a diabetic Uh, especially an advanced diabetic, should be allowing people to uh, cut on their toenails and stuff like that, uh, where there's a risk of cutting too close or causing some problem.
1: Right. So once a patient has gone through a limb loss, you know, an amputation, which I can imagine the psychological and emotional part of it is already a lot for them to Mm -hmm. endure. Mm -hmm. What happens once now they're wheelchair bound?
0: I'll tell you, it's, uh, it's devastating. Limb loss is absolutely devastating. It's not only bad enough to be a diabetic and have just the complications of diabetes without that, such as going blind or having kidney failure or the neuropathies and maybe even just not even feeling well in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once, uh, someone loses a limb, it changes their life entirely. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they become, you know, either crutch, reliant or wheelchair bound. Uh, it changes the quality of their life. It changes everything about their life. They have to now make their li- their house uh, ADA compliant with ramps and mm. they can't go upstairs and they lose all this mobility. Um, it, it can be quite depressing. Mm. Uh, and, uh, and depending on the age of the patient who loses a limb, uh, we've seen, for example, uh, someone who's 80 years old who loses a limb. Uh, typically 50% of those patients don't live another two years. And it's not because of losing the limb, but it's just also it's a conglomeration of all of the issues going on in that person. But that's just an indicator of what's going on.
1: Yeah. It's like you said, I mean, you remove the leg, but the root cause of their health issues was not the leg. Yeah. Yeah. There are the, it's a systemic issue. And can you talk about what that um, still, because if they're not managing their, um, if they haven't made significant lifestyle changes, which we'll talk about in the next episode, we're going to give you lots of recommendations. But if they're still not managing their um, type 2 diabetes, now they're still at risk for?
0: And they're still at risk for all of the chronic diseases that uh, are associated with diabetes. And uh, it's, not, uh, it's not unusual for me to have patients who end up being double amputees. Yeah. Because uh, if they don't clean up their lifestyles or if they've already got advanced problems, they end up losing their other leg as well. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So patient education, nutrition education, all of that is so important to me to put the power back in the patient's hands so that they know that they're not at the mercy of this diagnosis. There's something that they can do no matter how far along they are they can take control of their health. You and I have put together a really nice cardiovascular prevention guide that is like 20 pages of explaining what atherosclerosis is, how uh, we contribute to that disease. We also have uh, information on how you can reverse or at least manage and prevent advanced diseases. And also, um, we put in there some recipes. So I want to give everybody a link to that uh, so that you can download it. And it'll also take you to subscribe to our newsletter so that you can stay informed with all of these things we're talking about. So that's bit.ly B-I-T forward slash join Dr. Riss, And also drop us a voicemail. I would love to hear from all of you. Tell us what you're thinking in terms of how we're covering type 2 diabetes. And, and also like, do you have loved ones living with type 2 diabetes? Are you living with type 2 diabetes? And have you seen any improvements as a result of making lifestyle changes? So the link for that is speakpipe.com forward slash HLS.
0: Yeah, you know, I what I would love to hear is number one, share your stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think uh, it's nice to hear real-life stories of real-life people out there. We'd love to hear your stories, and we can share some of those stories here. Mm-hmm. Uh, second is, is we'd love some feedback on uh, are, is what we're sharing with you meaningful. And then lastly, if you have any questions, you know, uh, ask your questions, and we'll do our best to uh, address those questions on here.
1: That's right. We don't have to live with the fear. I've had friends, and I myself really thought I was at risk, like that I would eventually be at risk for having type 2 diabetes because of the prevalence in my own family. And thank God I know differently today. And so my passion is just to help empower everyone else to know the same. It's it's really education, the information that we want to share that is empowering. Um, any final words as we're wrapping up, Dr. Riz?
0: I'm looking forward to uh, our next episode, which will be on what?
1: Lifestyle medicine. Oh, my God. We're really going to get to the solutions of what we can do to empower and improve our health. All right, Dr. Riz, thank you again for joining us.
0: It was a lot of fun. Thank you. You've
1: been listening to the Healthy Lifestyle Solutions Podcast with your host, Maya Acosta. If you've enjoyed this podcast, do us a favor and share with one friend who can benefit from this episode. Feel free to leave an honest review as well at ratethispodcast.com forward slash HLS this helps us to spread our message. And as always, thank you for being a listener.